0: That when you and I begin just not to read these words, just not to hear these words, because remember, it's totally possible. It's totally possible to sit in church all your life, to hear the gospel, to read about the gospel, but never be transformed by the gospel.
1: Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch.
0: Father, we just come before you today a people that realizes that the pride of our hearts often deceives us. And Father, I'm just astounded at what's going on across our country, even inside churches, as the light and the darkness continue to collide. Father, Jesus warned us that people will hate us because of Him. And yet there's no other way to live than totally surrendered, regardless of the cost. As I think of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, that says this: that consider, look to Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners, from evil people, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. And so, Father, as we look to you, Jesus, we're a laser beam focus. Oh, Father, I pray that You would stir and move in this time of reflection in a very impatient culture that has inundated our own lives. Chop, chop, chop. Get it done, Holy Spirit. We've got things to do this afternoon. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as we think about Jesus, as we think about His body and we think about His blood, may today be a clarion call May today be a clarion call in our own lives individually that even if none go with us, we're still following Jesus. And so, Father, we give this time to You and we pray this in the name that's above every name. In the name of the risen Savior, King Jesus, do we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we're taking a break from our study in First Peter. And I'll be reading from the ESV translation with the title today of Giving ourselves totally to the gospel. What comes to your mind when you hear the thought of totally giving yourself to the gospel? It's totally possible to sit in church your entire life, to hear the gospel, to read the gospel but never be transformed by the Gospel. I actually believe it happens all the time. I believe in the American, capitalistic, me-centered, me-focused, me-driven church culture. I believe that it happens so often. The reality is that to ask someone to die to themselves is not an overly cool message it's not attractional it won't gather a big crowd matter of fact it typically thins the crowd but it's interesting when you look at Jesus and you study his model versus what the flesh desires you see very clearly that was Christ's model hey why are you following me like why are you following me and yet again we live in this Meism, meology, me planet, me universe. I want to go somewhere where it's fun. All while continuing to drift into the darkness while raising your hand for Jesus. Question for you. As I've already asked myself, but answer honestly you're in church have you totally given yourself to the gospel you know it's one thing to say we're going to give ourselves to the gospel it's a whole other thing to say we're going to totally give ourselves to the gospel we can wiggle out of the first one right but totally just puts emphasis on that 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 if i'm really going to be in for jesus and live for him and not work for the enemy The enemy would like nothing more than for you and I to vacillate between light and darkness. And the Bible gives us a beautiful illustration here in Mark chapter 14 of what surrender looks like. And so I pray as we read the Scripture together, I pray for softened hearts, not stiff necks, not brazen foreheads. Soft hearts. Tender hearts. Pliable hearts. Now Here's what the Word says. Mark 14, 32-42. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And He, Jesus, said to His disciples, sit here while I pray. So not an overly strenuous you would think task to complete but 33 is interesting so he takes now and he took with him peter james and john those were his inner three and he takes them and he begins to be what greatly distressed and troubled now remember who this is this is jesus so he's greatly distressed and troubled he's got his inner three his little band of brothers here And in 34, he says something to them. He says these words, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Sit here and pray. Remain here and watch. Now here's our first of our two verses for today. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, Father, all things are possible for You. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will but which you will. 37, and he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then again, verse 39, he went and prayed and saying the same words. And again He came and He found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer Him. And then He came the third time and He said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? now look at jesus's response i mean most people would say hey you know let's get out the blankies and the binkies let's start saying kumbaya let's burp the spiritual babies what does he say he says this it is enough the hour has come the son of man the most frequent phrase he loved to give himself the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners rise let us be going see my betrayer is at hand wow I know what you're thinking. Well, preacher, of course, Jesus was totally committed to the gospel. He was Jesus. Do you think it's possible that you can be totally committed to the gospel? Did you notice that as Jesus pulls in these three human beings... And he gives them very specific, very detailed, very simple commands, very simple orders to follow. And as they are asleep of the wheel, not once, not twice, but three times, did you catch at the very end as you look in the Bible in front of you, do you see at the very end what Jesus came to in his conclusion? Look at the very last verse, verse 42. He didn't say, you know, you guys are asleep at the wheel and you're not really committed. I think we're just going to scrap this idea. We're going to abandon ship and go think about something else to do. No, here's what he says. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. See, Jesus was always focused on the mission regardless who was pushing back against the mission. I don't know where we come with this idea in America, but I know in my travels, It's been like, Jesus is awesome. Let's pack the room. But let's not call anyone to holiness, not call anyone to obedience, because we might lose our crowd. And holiness and obedience is exactly what Jesus is calling us to. It's just amazing how we love to mix in a little of the world and a little of Jesus. And when you study the Old Testament, it's the word syncretism, and it's when the kids of Israel said, "You know what? We want a little bit of God." But we want some idols to go along with them. And the consequences that they endured for their disobedience went on for generations. See, Jesus right here is calling us to be totally surrendered. It's interesting, when I was thinking through that, I was laying in bed at 2 o'clock this morning, the pain hit, So I began to do what? Take a wild guess. Pray. And as I was praying, this thought came to my mind. Lord, right now, as I'm even talking, would you give us spiritual infrared lenses? Give us spiritual infrared lenses that we can see the darkness, that we can see the deception, that we can see the wolves in sheep's clothing. Like, give it to us so we can see it. You know what's interesting about the war we're fighting, the spiritual war? I often think of those that, that push against the gospel. And there are those that say we're in for Jesus, but they're really not in for Jesus. You know what I pray for those people? A, I pray this, that they'll come to true saving faith in Jesus. Jesus. But B, if they continue to rebel, I pray this, that, that God will send, I mean, just confusion into their lives. Whatever plans they got going on, trying to scheme behind the scenes to disrupt this and disrupt that, I pray that the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will send His power into those plans and completely obliterate them. Just think about all the evil in our world and the school system. Just the insanity that's going on right now. I mean, we're talking total satanic works of the enemy in the school system. I pray even right now, right now, as I'm talking, I pray right now, Father, will you by your power, by your blood, by your righteousness, will you do something in the schools in Chester, Virginia, and beyond? Will you confuse all the enemies of the cross? And I pray right now, every plan they have will come to nothing. I mean, just nothing. Nothing. See, the enemy tries to intimidate, doesn't he? Well, here's the deal we're not intimidated by slime ball Satan, amen? And we're not intimidated by those who work for him. We take orders from one person, his name's King Jesus. And when you begin to walk in that, there is power in the name of Jesus. You say, How do you know? Well, here's Jesus, he's going a little further. Like he didn't just stop, he he went a little farther. And as he goes a little farther, he's asking you and I to go a little farther. That's what he's asking us to do. He's asking you and I today to not be complacent. Don't settle for the status quo, Christianity. Humpty Dumpty, Mr. Rogers. Lucky Charms, what's in the box? I'm looking for the toy. Jesus goes, don't be satisfied with the blessing. Be satisfied with me who gives the blessing. And oh, by the way, everything we do is for the glory of God. Amen. You know, at this church, we have one premise. We exist for the glory of God and to be disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. Everything we do is for the glory of God. This service this morning is for the glory of God. The baptism was for the glory of God. Communion was for the glory of God. The pain you're going through today, the heartache in your marriage, that it looks so good on the outside. I mean, you're putting on a great show for everybody down at the church house, but it's dissolving because you literally are at each other. It's for the glory of God. 15-millimeter kidney stones are for the glory of God. Are you going a little further? Are you just content? Just content. This is fun floating along. See, the blessing, church, the blessing is not on this side of the Jordan. The blessing's on the other side of the Jordan. And the Bible says this, that when the feet of the priest touched the water first, then the water parted, not the other way around. I don't know about you, but it's easy to stand on the edge of the Jordan, isn't it? And we can stand right there and we can look in and go, all right, Jesus, I'm waiting for these waters to part. You let me know when we're ready to jump in. And a lot of times Jesus is going, actually, John, I'm waiting on you. See, it's just too easy to play it safe. It's way too easy to play it safe in this Christianity culture in America. Why? Because you just blend in. You just blend in. Everything looks good on the outside. Everyone cheers and claps. And, ah. But are we really seeing lives transformed? That is the answer we're looking for. Are we really seeing lives transformed? I was thinking about that thought, and I couldn't help but think that, you know, often we ask God what He wants for us. when we need to start asking God what he wants from us. God, what do you want for me? Like, it's like we want all his stuff, we just don't really want him. God, what do you want from me? That should be the request of me and you today. God, what do you want from me? God, if my life is really no longer my own, God, what do you want from me? Well, what can I give to you today that, that could be a living sacrifice wholly and acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service? And I'm no longer conformed to this world, but I'm renewed by the transforming of my mind. And oh God, what do you want from me today? What can I give to you today, God? But again, in this meistic culture where advertisements and hanging out with our friends often is all about talking about what can I get? And then we somehow try to defrag from that in an hour or so on a Sunday morning. It'll never happen. The fool's there. But when you're in the Word and the Word's in you, when you're commuting in fervent prayer, desperate, fervent prayer, you're pounding on the door of heaven. I mean, you're pounding on the door of heaven. You're saying, God, I'm not going to relent. I know you're working. I know you're doing something. God, don't fail me today. You're going a little further. There you are. You're pressing in deeper. No longer window shopping. No longer kicking the tires. I mean, you're just pressing into Jesus. And that's the life worth living. Think about this. Everything we do, everything, for the true believer in the room today, if it's true and real in your life, and you know, I mean, you've either really given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you're straddling the fence, you've got to remember that Satan owns the fence. So for the true believer, as you think on this thought, Think how easy it is to surrender totally to our hobbies. You guys have any hobbies in the room? I got some hobbies. Think about this for a moment. Think about your favorite hobby. Just think for a moment. What's your favorite hobby? Eating? Me too. Amen, right? Praise Jesus. Now think about your favorite hobby for a minute. Just think it. You got it right now in your mind? Think about it. Do you typically, do I typically, do we have to coach ourselves up to go do that hobby? It's your favorite hobby in the world. Think about it right now. Like, do you have to get up every morning going, oh, man, i got to go do that hobby again? Kimball crying out loud. No one has to coach me up. Why don't we have that same fervor for Jesus. You know, if we really believe there's a true lake of fire, which is the final destination for Satan and those who follow him, and for those who've been set free from that, who have the greatest cure for the greatest disease called sin, which results in this lake of fire, wouldn't you kind of think just deductively that if we really believed that, that there would be so much more fervency to get the gospel out so people wouldn't end up there? See, Jesus went a little farther. And he pleaded and said, Abba, Father, if there's any other way to to take this cup, what was in the cup? This cup of wrath, this this cup of pain, this cup of suffering mentally and emotionally and spiritually, for, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we, that put your name in there, that you, put your name right now, that I, that I, John, put your name in there, that I might become that I might become the righteousness of God. It was so beautiful and yet so horrific simultaneously.
1: You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Think about this last verse for a moment.
0: And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not, say it with me, church, yet not what I will, but what you will. Church, how many things are possible with God? How many things are possible? Any ideas? Not a rhetorical question. Right now, just repeat after me, all. Say it. Say it louder. Do you believe today that all things are possible with God? Do you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. Like, I believe that. I believe there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Like I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what the enemy's doing as he deceives his minions and they're scheming over here and scheming over there. I don't care. You block out all the noise... And you stay focused on the mission. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. Amen. Do you see the model? What he did? He modeled this. Stay dialed into the mission. But there's a key in here. And we just read it. Not what I will, but what you will. In the ESV it says it like this. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Some of the translations say nevertheless... At the ESV, those are nine words. Church, those are nine of the most powerful words in Scripture that if those get seared into my heart and your heart, you, your family, your church, whatever you do, your business will never be the same again. That when you and I begin just not to read these words, just not to hear these words, because remember, it's totally possible. It's totally possible to sit in church all your life to hear the Gospel, to read about the Gospel, but never be transformed by the Gospel. Why? Because when we know this, that there's light and darkness, you're walking in one or the other, not both. And for those that are walking in darkness that claim Christ... The reality is, their, their ears are clogged. They're blind, spirits that they can't see. they think they can. They'll tell you you can, but they can't. And when you and I get to the point in our lives where we simply do this and say, "God, look, here's the deal. I mean, I've tried it my way. I, I, I've been selfish, I've been prideful. just fill in the blank whatever's in your world, and you fill in that blank and say, "God, I no longer want to be in control." maybe you're a control freak and the whole point of the gospel is to relinquish control why because you get set free it doesn't make sense i get it to the human flesh you go wait a minute you let go of control to actually let someone else be in control and you get set free how does that work well here's the real simple answer his name is jesus And when you surrender all of your life to him, everything you are to Jesus, and right now I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's working in our hearts in this room right now, I pray right now that there's a war going on, like a war, that there's a battle going on because perhaps there's someone here right now today going, I don't want to let go of my will, I want to hang on to my will, man, I want to be happy, I want to be pleased, it's all about me and me and me, and Jesus says, no, it's all about me. You know this. We read this verse frequently. James 3.16. Where selfishness and envy exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. Boop. It's amazing how they work. Me, selfishness, man, I want to be the one. I had a rotten, lousy Childhood. My dad and my mom didn't prop me up, and now I'm an adult, still acting like a child. That's taken over my life. And I want to be the deal, and I want to be the show, and I want to be, have all the accolades and to feel built up and accepted and wanted. And Jesus is going, Man, I'm over here. Like, like, I'm over here. Like, I'll give you what you're looking for. And Jesus says right here, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. you know, as we seek today to give ourselves totally to the Gospel. Really three primary areas. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. I wonder right now what the Lord is speaking to me and to you and He's saying, look, I want you to to just take your hands off your entire life and let me take over and just trust me, just faith me. I'll do a much better job, Jesus says to me and to you. I'll do a much better job than than you or I could ever do trying to micromanage all this stuff. It's impossible to outgive God. Do you believe that? And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about first your life. A lot of times people go, oh no, here we go. Another talk on money. No, here's the deal. When Jesus has your life, He'll have your checkbook. (laughs) Trust me on that. And it's more than that. It's about your time. Like, what am I doing? What are you doing with your time? What are you investing in? What are you doing right now that you go, you know what, I'm investing in X. I'm investing in Y because I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. What about your talents? Maybe you have a unique talent that could be used for the glory of God. It's just too easy to sit on the bench It's too easy to sit on the bench. That's what the enemy wants us to do. What about your finances? The reality is big ministry takes big dollars. There's no way to get around that. It's all God's anyway. It's not ours. It's it's His, and we're going to be held accountable for what we do with it. If all I do is use the finances that God has given me to bless myself, I'm going to be held accountable for that. And for you that understand the law of giving and the principle of giving, that that when you release your life and your time and your talent and, yes, your finances to God, it is absolutely astounding the blessings that just come out of left field. You're just kind of like, where did that come from? Well, we know this, God blesses obedience. So with that thought, I want to close with this. Because I get this. I get this. I've been doing this a long time. I get this. That when you stand for the gospel, when you stand for truth, you will take a beating. Just part of it. Are there any examples in Scripture other than Christ? Because right here, did you notice this? When he says in verse 42, rise, let us be going, see my betrayers at hand, Who has stood with Jesus that night? Who stood with Him? Not a whole lot of standing going on, was there? I think it was more of, where's my perfect pillow? Just because you stand alone for Jesus, church, understand this, that when it's you and Jesus standing alone you're still in the majority amen that's exciting isn't it and God's going to do his biggest work not when we're hanging onto the handrail the kiddie pool it's way too easy just to put on our floaties isn't it our spiritual floaties man we just swim around in the shallow wind this is so good I know I can't drown here what does Jesus say in Luke 5 he says "Feeder, take those nets and launch out into the deep Peter's like, What are you talking about? You're a carpenter and I'm a fisherman and you're telling me how to fish? And when they had obeyed, the text says, they caught such a great number of fish that their nets began to break. I wonder what fish God wants you and I to begin catching as we launch out into the deep. And faith them and trust him and say, Lord, Lord I, I know you're calling me to something bigger than myself. That you're calling me to do something, to take action, to not sit on the sideline, but to take action and say, man, I'm in, I'm in for the gospel. You say, are there any examples besides Jesus? Here it is, Numbers 13, 27-33. And they told him, okay, this is the, think about this, this is Moses. He sends out 12 spies one from each tribe, and they go on a reconnaissance mission to spy out the land of Canaan. Here they are, 12 spies go in. Remember that, 12, remember that, 12. Numbers 13, write it down, 27 through 33. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Hmm, wow. However, the people who dwell, however, here's a however, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites, boy, they were bad dudes. They dwell in the land there of Negev. The Hittites, man, they were amazing. The Jebusites, the Amorites, Phil, and even the termites. They dwell in the hill country. And what happened? The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along that Jordan. But Caleb... Here we go. But Caleb... He quieted the people before Moses and he said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. Just pause there for a minute. We're talking the baddest dudes in the Old Testament are in front of the kids of Israel. I'm talking the baddest dudes. And everyone else is going, Man, we shouldn't be doing this. This is crazy. Let's go hunker in the bunker. Caleb goes, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we will be able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able... Oh, do you see the dissension? We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land. that they would spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Do you see the fear? See, so you're either fearing God or you're fearing man. One of the two, fearing God or fearing man. And all the people, they saw it at its great height. And there we saw the Nelophon, the sons of Anak. And we seemed to ourselves like, be like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Do you see what happens in the battlefield of the mind? The battlefield of the mind plays tricks. And the battlefield of the mind goes, wait a minute, these are the circumstances. Yeah, we claim we have this big God who can do anything. All things are possible with Him. But wait a minute, these circumstances look horrible. And oh no, what are we going to do? Oh no, the sky is falling. Oh no, oh no. And what happens is our minds begins to tell us things that aren't necessarily true reality in God's economy. Now, look at Numbers 14. Fast forward. Numbers 14, here it is. Numbers 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. (laughs) Imagine that. The whole congregation said to them Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey, P-R-E-Y. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? I don't think so. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What do you see what's going on here? When you fear man, when you fear your circumstances, and you take your eyes off Jesus, just like Peter... Just like Peter, he's out there walking on the water. He's walking towards Jesus. He's actually walking on the water. And he takes his eyes off the king. And what happens, church? You know, he begins to sink. And here are the kids of Israel. They're panicking. They're not looking to the mission. They're not looking to the king. They're not dialed in. They're not focused on what God has called them to do. They're listening to all the noise. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the whole assembly, the congregation, of the people. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those. Did you catch that? Caleb and Joshua. Two of the twelve were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only... Do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. How do you think they responded to that great Newt Rockney speech? Well... Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep those stones rolling. Amen. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> Look at this straight. They're in the center of God's will. Everyone wants to jump ship and actually kill their leaders. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of that meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Church, do you think that blessings... Come upon obedience and the curses come upon those who disobey. Two of 12, if you're doing your math and you're rounded up, it's 17%. Those are horrific odds, but church, you got to understand this. That when God calls, where he guides, he provides. Where he leads, he feeds. God's work done God's way, as the great missionary Hudson Taylor said, as he's plowing the missionary fields for harvest, he said this God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. When you and I begin to operate in that power, when we begin to operate in that obedience, when we begin to operate in that holiness and that righteousness, there is power in the name of Jesus. And I believe this church, no weapon formed against this shall prosper. But you got to be willing to go a little farther. What is the Lord asking you to do today? What in your life is the Lord saying, man, you're hanging on to that. And what you're hanging on to is actually keeping you and me, God says, from having true intimate communion. Are you totally surrendered to the Gospel? Is it real? Is it true? For you to go on on an excursion with the Lord wherever He might take you, for you to follow him in total obedience and total surrender, and perhaps you might die and, and give your life for the gospel—that's not a tragedy. That's far from a tragedy. That's glorious. What the tragedy is is the number of people across America today on this Sunday morning that are playing games with gods. That's the tragedy. Oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Hmm. Is there any evidence? No? I got baptized when I was seven. Golf clap. When you get into the Word and the Word gets in you, it will forever transform you. Your life will never be the same and the people around you go, I don't know what happened to you, but I know this, I want what you have. What is it today the Lord is asking you asking me right now he said I want you to give this to me like right now I said I want you to give it to me because it's keeping you and me God says from true intimate communion that will forever set your life free Father we come before you in this time and Lord I just I weep I grieve So often we see in America, you know, just accept Jesus. Whew, got that over with. All right, Jesus, come along. i got some plans for you to fulfill. So glad I don't have to obey you, live for you. Lord, we know that's not true. Father, we know very clearly from your word, the call of the gospel, the call of the cross the call of the word is simply this, come and die. Come and die. Lord, my, my fear is there's so many people right now in churches all across America that, that have never died. They think they got this fire insurance. They think because you haven't struck them with lightning bolts that they're walking in Your will. Oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Perhaps the reason that America is in such... Dysfunction and disarray is not because of the blatant sinners that are living a sinful life but maybe it's because of the people that profess Jesus need to humble themselves and pray and repent and turn from their wicked ways oh father I pray I just pray in my own life Lord forgive me Don't allow us to go along with the crowd that's going into the, the great wide path that's leading to destruction. All under the banner of Jesus. Lord, put us on the narrow path. Plenty of room on that sidewalk, but it leads to life. Oh, Father, right now, Holy Spirit, speak into my life, speak into our lives as we open the altar here this morning at the foot of the cross. What is it we need to surrender today? What are we holding on to? Father, don't allow us to leave here in disobedience. But I pray today, today will be the day we surrender all. No longer some, but we surrender all. Oh, God, you do a work in this time that only you can do. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise and give you all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name
1: and all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend This Day in the Word.